0: So, Ash, I hear we're, we're like halfway through this rookie boot camp. I hear good things are happening. Tell me what, what's new.
1: We've had such high demand. We're going to open up enrollment from September 7th to October 4th. So, if you guys want to be part of the boot camp, it's going to have live sessions every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern. We tackle all things real estate, such as real estate strategies, choosing your market, finding funding and analyzing deals, making offers, and more. I mean, Tony. Can you think of anything that's missing in that uh, bootcamp package?
0: (laughs) Probably just me, but outside of that, everything else seems like a good time.
1: (laughs) Well, Tony, if you want to learn more and if you want to sign up for the bootcamp and be there, you can go to biggerpockets.com forward slash bootcamp.
0: So it sounds like this bootcamp is going to be a ton of fun, but before we bring on today's guests, Ashley, I hear you two kind of already know each other.
1: Yes. Yeah, so the bootcamp, uh, Amelia is one of the TAs in the bootcamp. So you guys are going to love this episode with her and you're going to see why she is such a great TA. And um, there's over a hundred people in her group right now that are learning from her and from me and the other TAs. This is Real Estate
2: Rookie episode 111. And I made a very modest salary of $50,000 a year. So I wasn't making a ton of money and you don't have to be either to grow and expand in the real estate space.
1: My name is Ashley Kerr and I am here with my co-host, Tony Robinson.
0: Ashley, what's going on?
1: Today has been a long day of recording it for me. <laughs> it has been, it has
0: been. We're going on like hour four, or four or five right now being in these chairs, but we do it with gratitude. We do it with love because we know that all the rookies listening on the other side are, are getting some value from it. It's really weird being a podcast host because... When we're recording these episodes, it's me in my office, Ashley in her office, the guests in their office, wherever that is, you know, in the middle of the United States. And we don't get to see the people on the other side. But, you know, when we hear from folks on the Facebook group or on Instagram, I think that it reminds me that there's so many people that are listening, that are impacted, that are getting value from what we're doing. So it makes a long day as well worth it.
1: Yeah, and it's not even the long days. It's just like you get so hyped up talking to everyone and you get expired that you're like sitting here, like jittery, (laughs) like, okay, I gotta go chase that Chinese object now, or I wanna go do this, or I gotta get this done. I get all hyped up and ramped up. Like, I can start my morning like, oh, I feel tired today. And then like by the end of the podcast, I'm all
0: jazzed up, and ready jazzed for the next up with
1: thing. spirit
3: <laughs> Well,
0: Speaking <laughs> of shiny objects. So uh, my most recent shiny object was a, a non-unit hotel. We put an offering on that last week. We've been kind of going back and forth with the broker. So I'm hoping to hear something back today, but I'll be super, super excited if we can make that happen because we'll get the benefits of commercial real estate because it's a nine unit with all of the things we love about short-term rentals and kind of mold those two worlds together.
1: I think we're going to have to do a rookie reply on Saturday. If you end up going through with this deal, like what does the due diligence period look like? Because I have, I don't know if I told you guys this, but I have a self-storage facility under contract and it has uh, three commercial buildings with the self-storage and one is a mechanic service shop. So I'm having an environmental phase one done with it. I'm doing seller financing on it, but I talk to a bank for if I do decide to go and refinance, I'm using their preferred person for the environmental study. But those would be all great things to talk about, uh, I think, on a rookie reply as to what goes into a commercial property purchase.
0: Cool. Well, let's get into today's episode. Well, today, Tony, what are
1: we talking about today? (laughs) Well, we got Amelia
0: today, and Amelia's story is super, super inspiring. I think what listeners are going to love is that she closed on not one, not five, not 10, not 20, but 26 doors in her first year of real estate investing. Just absolutely blows my mind.
1: And she quit her W-2 job. And she found a partner on Instagram for one of her deals. Like there's just so many amazing things to her story. She started out with a flip house and then just really grew and propelled her uh, investing uh, portfolio from there. So another great thing about Amelia is she is a TA in the bigger pockets, real estate rookie boot camp. So anybody that is in her group is super lucky to be learning from her and getting to share that experience with her.
0: T O Retirement.com or text R E I to 33777. Again, text R E I to 33777.
4: Remember when you had to pay to get a leads phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at DealMachine.com BP.
3: The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day, with Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable.
1: Let's bring Amelia onto the show.
0: Amelia, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Rookie Podcast. We're super pumped to have you on. Why don't you give us, give the listeners a little bit of your backstory, who you are and how you got started in the world of real estate investing.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be on the show. So my name is Amelia. I'm 29 years old and I live in Des Moines, Iowa, I have only been investing in real estate for about a year now, and I just closed on my 26th door yesterday. So I'm very excited to share how I was able to grow so rapidly in one year.
0: And the rookies are very excited to hear exactly how you did that. (laughs) So uh, it's going to be a good time getting into that. But before we do, I mean, one year, 26 doors, that's a whole heck of a lot of work. Were you like an an agent or were you a contractor? Were you a property manager? Like what were you doing before you bought that first door that helped you like scale so quickly?
2: Yeah, so actually I didn't have any background in real estate and none of my family members really had any background in real estate either. I was basically just looking for a way to earn passive income. And I kind of stumbled across real estate and convinced my parents to go in on a flip with me. And from there, everything kind of just snowballed.
1: Before we get into
2: more of your first
1: deal and your background, can you just give us a quick overview of what your portfolio looks like? So what does those 26 doors, what are they made up of? Are they single family, apartment complexes, et cetera?
2: Yeah. So I started out with a flip and used the proceeds of that flip to buy a few small multifamilies. I currently own two triplexes, a quadplex, five single family homes that I purchased from another real estate investor in a portfolio. And then most recently I closed on an 11 unit apartment.
1: That is awesome. Congratulations. So what were you doing before real estate, your nine to five job? And then what was that moment like when you decided you wanted to be an investor?
2: Yeah. So before I started in real estate, I was a project manager for a magazine company and I made a very modest salary of $50,000 a year. So I wasn't making a ton of money and you don't have to be either to grow and expand in the real estate space.
0: So can we talk a little bit more about that flip? Because I think that's a pretty critical piece here. It seems like to kind of kickstart your career. Can you just give us like the quick numbers on the flip? Like how much profit did you actually make from that? And how was that distributed between the two small multifamily properties that you purchased?
2: Yep. So the flip we purchased. Now, remember I'm in Iowa, in rural Iowa, So the properties here are a lot cheaper than they would be um, in some higher cost of living cities. So we purchased the four bedroom, two bathroom house for $30,000. We put about $30,000 into the property and ended up selling it for a little over 120,000. So we came out with $60,000 in profit and we split that profit 50-50. And then from there, I used my portion of the profit to purchase a triplex along with some money that I had saved during that time while we were renovating that house. So I purchased that triplex all cash and kind of stumbled into a burr. Basically, my appraisal wasn't going to come back in the amount of time that I wanted it to because I had already advertised the property and had tenants ready to move in before the appraisal could get done. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to purchase it all cash. And then I'm just going to fix it up real quick in two weeks and refinance it. And the local bank that I used was okay with that. It was pretty much a perfect burr. I got out all the money that I had put into it. So I reutilized that money to put another, a down payment on the quad, the fourplex that I also own. Fun fact, it's the same owners for both. It was the same previous owners for the triplex and the quadplex. They weren't planning on selling the quad, but when I bought the triplex, I said, Hey, are you guys interested in selling that other building that you own? And they were gung-ho for that. So that's how I got that deal.
0: There are two strategies that you've utilized already for your first, like three real estate transactions. So you did a flip, you had a partnership And then you did a burr and then you also went like direct to seller, right? Like these are all different strategies that people try and leverage and you prove that, you know, you don't have to have a ton of experience to make those strategies work. And I love that you're able to kind of represent that or or be a good example of that for the listeners.
2: Right, exactly. And I really want to show that you don't have to know everything and you don't have to be perfect at something before you start. That's kind of just how I roll. I just kind of go with the flow and I learn as I'm going. Don't let not knowing everything be an excuse to not get started.
1: As a rookie investor, when you decided you were going to jump into real estate, what were some of the things you read about or you learned about? What would be your advice to rookie listeners today as to they want to start investing, they're brand new. Where do they even start?
2: Yeah. So I get that question a decent amount on Instagram and it's the most cliche thing. And a lot of people say it, but truly just reading online, you know, bigger pockets is a huge resource for investors. I was self-taught. I literally just read online how to do it, read online how to run my numbers. And then I'm also a firm believer in thinking of the worst case scenario. And if you can handle whatever the worst case scenario is, then it's okay to move forward with that deal. And my worst case scenario was I don't make any money and I'm still okay because I have a W-2 income that can cover you know, the mortgage or whatever for a certain period of time, so.
1: That's great, I love that advice. So let's talk about your partnership with your parents. So you have no experience and they jumped on board with you to do this flip. How did that conversation go?
2: Yeah. So I think jumped is an aggressive word to use. It took <laughs> it took a while to convince them. I had been looking at buying a flip or actually a flip. I wasn't even interested in rentals when I first got started. So I had been looking for about a year and sending those details to my mom because my mom was the easier target. My dad was harder to convince. So I'd been sending those details to her and just saying like, look, this is such a great deal. There's absolutely no way we're going to lose money on this. Here's the numbers. Here's the estimated rehab, multiple of the profits, 50-50. And so finally, a deal came along that the numbers made perfect sense to them. And we convinced my dad to um, go in on this flip with us. And it worked out well. And they've been gung-ho ever since. So you said
1: you presented to your parents the numbers and said that you're going to make deal on this. You talked about giving them the rehab estimate. Mm -hmm. How did you get comfortable? Because that hangs a lot of people up as to, well, I don't know how much this cost or I don't know how to do repairs or a remodel. How did you get comfortable with that being your first deal?
2: Yeah, so my parents are both pretty handy. So I knew that we were going to be able to do a lot of the work ourselves, So, for the supplies budget, I basically just went online to, you know, Home Depot, Menards, Lowe's, looked up all of those items, put them into a spreadsheet. It was very basic, but it worked. And then anything that we were going to have to pay for, like labor wise, I basically just did a Google search and took the highest estimate. You know, they'll give you a range. Okay. Like, here's how much it's going to cost to, re-plumb a house. So I would use the high end of that and plugged it in. So really it was just Google. (laughs) I'm serious.
0: That's like such a good answer because it shows that it's not super complicated to figure those things out, right? And as long as you put one foot in front of the other and you keep searching for answers to the questions that you have, eventually you get to a point where things start to happen. You close in that first deal and then you're off to the races. So I mean, I think if there's one thing that I've learned from you so far is that you don't need to be an expert to scale quickly, right? You can kind of learn as you go. And when I was in my W-2 world, we used to call it building the plane as you're flying it, right? Like you've already taken off, but you gotta keep putting it together while, while you're already in the air. I want to talk about it. Look at you
1: go, more. David Green, with your analogies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we that was a really
2: good one.
0: <laughs> I can't take any credit from that. My old boss used to say that all the time. But I, I want to talk a little bit about the financing piece, Amelia, because I think that's another part that rookie investors tend to get stuck on. So we know how you financed the flip. We know how you got into your first two small multis, the three and the four. But you since then bought five single families bought another 3 and then an 11-unit apartment complex. How the heck are you coming up with the funds to close on all those deals?
2: Yeah. So I partnered on a few of those deals with my parents again. And I just want to put a disclaimer out there. My parents are, they make a decent living, but they are not extremely wealthy by any means. They're the typical Iowa parents that work their nine-to-five job. They've got a 401k saved. So they used, actually, they had access to a personal line of credit at a bank that had an amazing interest rate of only 6%. And we didn't have to pay any money towards it until for an entire year, no payments on interest or anything like that. So we basically used the bank as a hard money lender, essentially. For the five single family portfolio, because I was working with a small bank, they allowed me to take 80% loan to value of whatever the house is appraised at. So because I purchased them in a large portfolio, I got a great deal on the price. So they appraised it quite a bit higher than the purchase price. So I was able to only put 20% down of the appraised value. So I had some built in equity there. The... Triplex that I purchased most recently, I actually did seller financing on that one at 1% interest. I was just listening to an episode the other day where you guys said you never heard of that. Well, they actually wanted to charge me 0% interest, but my boyfriend's a tax attorney and apparently he wasn't okay with that. So he said it's got to be 1%. And then most recently, this 11 unit that I purchased, I partnered with a couple that I met through Instagram, believe it or not. And they put the full down payment down on the property and I'm going to be managing that property for them. So yeah, if you're not already utilizing social media to network, I highly recommend doing so.
1: I wanna break into that because finding a partner, especially finding a partner on the internet That's not something easily done every single day. So what did that look like? How did that happen? How did the conversation go? And how did you guys end up trusting each other and building this partnership structure?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel very lucky and blessed to be partnering with the couple that I am because we are such a great personality fit and it kind of just like fell into our laps. So, what I did was, I found this great deal in Des Moines and I ran all the numbers and I was like, wow, this is amazing. It's a 27% cash on cash return. It cash flows over $2,000 a month. So, I posted about it on Instagram and I said, hey, I'm looking for an equity partner in this to basically front the money for it because I don't have any money left. I've spent all my money. And uh, Tony and I know that feeling all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, I posted that on my story and I had quite a few people reach out to me. So I just said, Hey, send me your email address and I'll send you all of the info. So I basically sent a blanket email to all of the people who had responded to my story and the Reardon's Jimmy and Serena were the ones who I ended up ultimately going with. I had a few different options, but they kind of felt like the best fit and they've been amazing to work with. And everything has just been so easy. I just, I feel so blessed. So, and again, I started that Instagram. I didn't know what I was doing, but you don't have to be perfect to start. Like, look at where it's led me. I've literally made money from my Instagram account now. It's just crazy.
1: What did the structures look like? How did you set that up as to, they gave you the down payment, how much equity do they have, things like that. What did that look like?
2: Yep, absolutely. So the 11 unit is in Des Moines, Iowa. It's The purchase price was 500,000. So they put the down payment down for that. We created an LLC. And then in our operating agreement, they have 60% equity in the property and I have 40% equity. Obviously they have a little bit more since they have all the money in the deal right now. And then, so we're going to split the profit 60, 40. And we really just talked all of that out and had an attorney create the operating agreement. And so that's how we did it.
1: And when you discuss that structure, I know a lot of people get caught up as to, well, what's the right way to do it? Can you kind of reinforce for me how you guys came up with that arrangement? Because I'd like to show to everyone that as long as it's legal, there is no wrong or right way to structure your partnership deal. I mean, they could have put the money in and they could have got only 20% just because you found the deal, you're managing the deal, you did the acquisition, stuff like that. So can you talk a little bit more about how you guys decided on those numbers?
2: Yeah. It's kind of tricky because there wasn't a whole, I guess there wasn't a whole lot of thought put into that. I mean, again, I'm a fly by the seat of my pants kind of gal. So I basically sent that email out and said, Hey, I'm looking for a 50, 50 partnership. They came back and said, basically, since we're fronting the money, we feel like 60-40 is going to be more fair. And I was like, sold. That's great. I still have this $500,000 property that I own 40% of, basically, and I have no money in the deal yet. So it was just... And again, that's why I say I feel so blessed to be partnering with them because everything has been so easy. We're on the same page about basically everything and I feel like that's very important when you're getting into a partnership with someone. You you need to make sure that the personality fit is there because otherwise you're basically married to somebody that you can't stand. That's extreme, but you got to be careful there.
0: You talked about the structure more so based on who found the deal and who's putting up the equity. But what happens when, you know, after you guys close or you guys now have closed, right? How are you splitting up the duties of actually running this property, these 11 units on a day-to-day basis? Are your partners doing some of it? Are you doing it all? Is there a property management company in place? What does that look like?
2: Yep, so right now I am the property manager for the property and so the split is still the same. They're getting 60% of the net profit each month and I get 40%. Now we do have a caveat in there that if one of the units turns into an Airbnb which we we're looking into, then I'll get paid an additional 12% on top of my 40% for that specific unit because it's a lot more work to manage. A short-term Airbnb than it would be to have a long-term tenant in there.
0: And I love that you guys have decided it, to partner just on this one deal first, right? Like your the LLC that you guys created is just for this one deal, and that gives you guys an opportunity to kind of feel each other out before you go out and you know buy thirty of these together. So actually, I think when I was on the OG podcast, Brandon mentioned that is his one of the mistakes he made in partnering with people is that instead of partnering kind of small first, he would do these really big intricate partnerships with people. And sometimes it wouldn't work out. So I love that you're already taking that approach of starting small, testing it out, making sure it works. And then these could be your partners for maybe the rest of your life, right?
1: You want to date them before you marry them. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly.
2: That's so true.
0: Yeah. I got one other question, right? Like, were you at all, Amelia, nervous, afraid about buying 11 units at once? Because you had bought a three, you had bought a four but an 11 unit, that's three times bigger, almost four times bigger than anything that you've purchased. What was your thought process going into that? And and how did you get past that fear if there was any?
2: Oh, absolutely. I was definitely scared and I still am scared. And I recently went full-time with real estate investing. So I no longer have that W-2 salary cushion anymore, but you can't let fear hold you back. And I know that's cliche too, but you have to push through that and the numbers made sense. So we moved forward, but yeah, I think if the units is vacant, all 11 units are vacant. Like I still have to pay the mortgage. I still have to pay the insurance and an 11 unit apartment in Des Moines. It's not cheap. So, (laughs) but failure is not an option. Honestly, for me, that's just, it's not.
0: Fear is something that's, that's real and holds a lot of people back But the way that I've always kind of framed it is that being brave, being courageous doesn't mean that there's no fear. It means that you move forward in spite of the fear, right? Being courageous, being brave means that you don't let that fear hold you back. And like the point that you made earlier about like, what's the worst case scenario and can I live with that? I think that's what the rookie real estate investors really need to take home with them because if you can live with that worst case scenario, then what reason do you have not to move forward? Last thing, Ash and I were together in Denver a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was Tyler Madden, either Tyler Madden or or Nick Cooley said this, but they were saying like, if the worst possible outcome of me trying to become a real estate investor is that I have to go out and get a W-2 job and work there for 40 years, then my worst case scenario is everybody else's best case scenario, right? And then I'm just like everybody else who so I have to go with my worst case. So I love that approach because it's so true. And I think you embody that ideal so well, Amelia.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah, my worst case scenario, if this doesn't work out is I'm just going to go get another W-2 job. You know what I mean? So I might as well try it.
0: Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act Head over to corporatedirect.com/biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention real estate rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com/biggerpockets.
3: This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed
5: with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman or a castle. With the top rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others and schedule tours even the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home.
1: Well, are you using any software? or Do you have systems in place? What does that kind of look like to grow up to 26 units in one year? You, you know, I'm sure it's changed from when you were managing your first property to now. So can you give us some insight as to how you've become successful as a property manager?
2: Yeah. So again, fly by the seat of my pants. I got set up on apartments.com and that's how I've kind of been keeping track of all of my tenants. I also have the app Stessa that I use to keep track of all of my expenses. And then most recently, I've started using Monday.com because I'm trying to systematize a few things since I am self-managing now all 26 units.
1: What are some examples of the things you're using Monday.com for?
2: Really, I'm using it for tenant management right now you can set up certain auto responses uh, like for lease renewals or certain notifications that go out to the tenant based on whatever date you put into the system. So that's really what I'm using it for right now. But I know there's all sorts of different uses for it.
0: Yeah, the the software and tools are super important no matter what part of real estate investing that you're in. You know, Ash and I talk a lot about how we've leveraged software and and these different tools to kind of help keep our businesses lean also. I want to switch gears just a little bit, Amelia, because you you said that you're in Des Moines, Iowa, which you, and you considered you're like in a rural part of the country, right? Did you at any point consider investing somewhere else, maybe because the numbers didn't work or, or like, were you at all concerned about this rural investing or was your heart always set on investing in your own backyard?
2: Yeah. So I started investing in Southern Iowa, which is about an hour South of Des Moines. So that's where the rural part of my investing journey started. I know some people are really worried about investing in rural markets because I I just don't think they understand it, but the specific town that I invest in has all of the major things that I was looking for. It has a large employer, it has a hospital, and it has the only school district in the county. So it's got a bunch of great things there that mean I'm going to have renters that have jobs. And I actually have some traveling nurses actually staying in one of my units there because there's a hospital in town. So I wasn't nervous about it. Like I said earlier, I'm more interested in cash flow than appreciation right now. And rural markets are great for cash flow.
0: There are lots of investors who live kind of in coastal states like me, where things are a little bit more expensive. And I think they always want to look to other markets to uh, try and get started. And you know, I think sometimes they shy away from some of the smaller towns because they feel like it might not work. So I'm glad that you're able to prove that there's, there's still plenty of opportunities, even in the markets that maybe aren't, aren't as big. So you dropped a lot of good knowledge so far, Amelia. I mean, I think we can go into the deal, uh, our rookie deal. Ash, I don't know. Do you have anything else we jump into that?
1: No, I'm excited to hear, Do what deal do you want to talk about, Amelia?
2: Yeah, let's talk about the first rental property that I purchased, which was the triplex that I did a burr on, just because I really, like at that point, I didn't know a ton about real estate still, but I knew how to run the numbers. So yeah, I would love to talk about that.
1: Tony, do you want to whiz off the questions to her real quick before she gets in the story? Because you yeah. always remember them way better than <laughs> I do.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, so we're gonna do this kind of like quick fire round, Amelia, just just to set the table for the listeners. But what city or what market was this dealing?
2: This was in southern Iowa, south central Iowa, to be exact.
0: South, I don't know. There was a south central in Iowa. There's a south central in Southern California, but it's probably very different from the south central in uh, in <laughs> Iowa.
2: Yes, I'm sure it is. <laughs>
0: what, was the, uh, what was the purchase price?
2: The purchase price was $78,000.
0: 78, cool. And uh, what kind of rehab did you have to put into this property, if any?
2: I put about $8,000 into the three units, just new paint and floor and just basically some cosmetic stuff.
0: Got it. Okay. So we got market, we got purchase price, got rehab. We'll put a pause on the rest because I want to know what you're renting it out for and uh, what it ARV'd for, but we'll get to that after you tell us the whole story. So you get this money from your flip, right? Mm -hmm. And you say, I got to put this to work somewhere. So let us know how you found this Triplex. Was it on the MLS? Were you working with the wholesaler? What'd you do to find it?
2: So it was actually on the MLS. And I know a lot of people say that you can't find deals on the MLS anymore. Well, that's not true because I've found quite a few deals on the MLS. So it was originally listed for 99,000. I went and looked at the property with my realtor and oh my gosh, it was scary. The tenants that were living there were the exact tenants that you can imagine that you do not want. Couple pets, couple kids. It was just chaos. So, because of the condition of the property, I submitted an, a low ball offer, which I am not scared to do, of like sixty thousand. We ended up landing on seventy eight thousand, and like I said earlier, I was going to do conventional financing on that property with twenty percent down through my local bank. But because the appraisal was going to take so long to come back, I purchased it all cash. I borrowed a little bit from my parents' personal line of credit because I knew I was going to be able to pay them back immediately and it was no money out of their pocket. And yeah, then the appraisal after repair value came back at 92000 So I was able to take 80% of that out. And so it wasn't quite a perfect burr, but it was pretty darn close. Did you do the rehab yourself or did you hire
1: contractors to do the pain and stuff like that, the cosmetic updates?
2: Yep. So I actually do most of the work myself. I enjoy doing it and it saves me money, especially getting started. I have no problem. Paint, floor, that's easy stuff. Anybody can learn how to do that on YouTube.
0: And then with the tenants that you had, did you keep those tenants in place? Did you ask them to leave once you took over? What did that process look like?
2: Yeah. So the really bad tenants were already planning on moving out. Um, The landlord had kind of already said like, Hey, you guys have to get out of here. There was one vacant unit. And then the other unit that was full, I put in the purchase agreement that I needed them to be moved out before I closed on the property. So I actually was, I purchased this property empty, which is kind of scary because, you know, you don't have any income coming in, but I closed on October 15th and I had it fully rented out on November 1st. So I had to do quite a bit of work in two weeks. But the market that I was in, nice housing is sorely needed there. So I knew I was going to have no problem getting it rented out.
0: Can we talk about how you found those tenants? This would be your first time marketing to, screening, placing tenants. So what did that process look like? How did you make that happen?
2: So I actually only advertised on Facebook marketplace. And then there's like a local group, a local Facebook group for that area for housing. So I found all of my tenants through Facebook. I had them apply. I just downloaded an application off the internet, had them apply, did income verification calls to their employers. Didn't run credit checks because that's not really common in the area that I'm in. Again, it's rural Iowa. So having someone paid to apply is kind of unheard of, but there is a really useful website called Iowa Courts Online where you can look people up and see if they have a criminal record. So I just did all the research on my own. And then also just like Facebook stalked everyone. (laughs) This is a great tool. It really is. <laughs> I mean, I I had some people apply, and then after I Facebook stalked them, I was like, absolutely not. Like, what, what did you, know, you
0: see if you don't mind sharing? Like, what, what were some of the yeah, red flags so our rookies are aware?
2: One of the the guys that applied had a live video on his Facebook page of him getting into a fight at a bar, just absolutely drunk, hammered. And it was, and he like didn't delete it from his feed, and it was public. I'm like, no, this guy makes terrible decisions, like absolutely not. <laughs> and you would never know. I mean, he had a good income, like didn't really have any red flags, but I was just like, who does that? Next, you know, there's a
1: fight going on in your apartment. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: so what what are the units renting out for today, Amelia? And what cash flow are you seeing on those rents?
2: Mm-hmm. So. There's two one bedrooms that rent for $440 a piece, again, small town Iowa. And then a two bedroom rents for $595. And I think I'm cash flowing around $900 a month on those three. And I'm also utilizing RUBS, which is Ratio Utility Billing which I think is something that people don't necessarily understand. But if your state allows it, you should absolutely look into it. And what that is, is a way for you to, if your utilities, water and gas are all on one meter, it's a way for you to charge that back to the tenants. So it's not coming out of your own pocket. So it immediately increases your cash flow on the property.
1: Ah, oh, that's interesting. How do they do that if it's all on one meter?
2: Yeah. So some states allow it and some states don't. So you'll have to check, but basically there's a formula. So in this unit, for example, there's one adult in each of the one bedrooms and then two adults in the two bedroom. So for water, you take the total water bill and the the two bedroom gets 50% of that bill. And then the one bedrooms each get 25% of that bill. And then same thing for um, the gas bill. So you basically just divide by the number of people that are in the house and then assign based on how many are in each unit.
1: Very interesting. I'm pretty sure you can't do that in New York, but for everybody else, check out your state and see if you are able to do that. If you have a a property that only has one meter on it.
0: Yeah. It's legal in California. The uh, apartment complex I lived in before we bought our house, that's how their water and gas bill worked as well. So yeah, good way, good way to kind of maximize your uh, your income, right, or minimize your expenses, yeah. I should say. So sorry. So your your total gross rents, Amelia, were about fourteen seventy five, if I did my math there. And you said yeah. you were cash flow, and how much on that, give or take?
2: About nine hundred.
0: Your cash flow nine hundred? No way. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome.
2: Eight hundred and nine hundred, depending on summer or winter, because snow removal is more expensive. Snow yeah. removal is expensive expensive guys if you are going to invest in an area that gets snow be prepared that was my mistake on my
1: first rental property is that when i read the numbers i didn't account for snow plowing obviously in buffalo there's snow on the ground and it didn't like kill my numbers but it still did not make them as great but yeah yeah, that was my one mistake i'll never forget it again (laughs) You
0: know, what killed my numbers on one of my deals was a flood insurance. So Amelia, if you ever want to invest in Shreveport, Louisiana, I do have a house that I'm God. I'm selling out there, but uh, it has a terribly high flood insurance premium. So, you know. Just throwing it out there just in case.
1: <laughs> Tony, the tables have really turned because it started out like twenty episodes ago. I would like bring it up and now I get to you every single time. <laughs> Still pitching it. <laughs>
0: I'm just waiting to see who might be interested.
1: You know what we have to do is we have to do a live podcast in the house in or the something and people can come out and you know, view the house and maybe someone will
2: bite and someone <laughs> and will buy find it. A bite,
0: buy it. Yeah.
2: That's so, so funny. No, it's funny that you say that because I was just joking with my parents the other day that like, I'm only buying homes that are on a hill from now on because water damage, I mean, water causes so much damage, not just like from significant flooding, but just like mm-hmm. any sort of seepage that you get is just awful.
0: Yeah. Lesson learned for me too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: Amelia, thank you for uh, sharing the numbers on that deal. And it looks like it, it turned out uh, pretty well for you. I want to move us into our mindset segment. So what is something that you did not realize? So before you were even investor, did you have a certain mindset or thought? And then as you grew your portfolio, you realized that that was not true at all?
2: Yeah, I think one of the, the main things like we've touched on is that you don't have to have everything together to get started. And I think that's what a lot of rookies are scared of is that they don't know it all but you truly learn as you go and i've utilized that you know with starting my instagram i was like man no one's going to want to follow me like nobody cares and but i just started it anyways and i've met so many great people i have found a partner on there same thing with real estate i didn't know it all when i got started but look at me now i i have six, 26 doors in one year like which is just nuts to me but
1: and one more thing that you got asked to do too because of your Instagram.
2: What was that thing, Amelia? Yeah. So I'm actually gonna be a teaching assistant on the Bigger Pockets rookie boot camp, which again is another crazy thing that's like, I cannot believe I'm gonna be a TA for Bigger Pockets. Like it's just nuts. So like just get started. Put yourself out there. And we are so excited to
1: have you. And especially just hearing more of your story, I can't wait for everyone to learn from you. And I think when this airs, the boot camp has already started. So the lucky people that signed up and get to share some of your knowledge and experience will be great.
0: But more good things come when you take action. And I think that's hopefully the lesson that a lot of rookies are taking away is that the more consistent kind of concentrated action you take, the more positive results come from it. So thank you for sharing that, Amelia. I want to take us into our Ricky request line. So are you ready, Amelia, to answer a question from one of our very lucky rookie listeners? Hit me.
5: Hello, my name is Ben Lehman, and I live in the Williamsport Hagerstown, Maryland area. My question is, how can I help convince my family for supporting real estate? I would like to go into house hacking where I would rent by the room. And some parts of my family aren't necessarily too supportive of that, considering of the lack of privacy, or worrying about getting a bad tenant.
0: Amelia, you've seemed to have some success on getting your your family involved and kind of having some partnerships. What would your be your advice be to Ben on how he can get his parents on board?
2: Yeah, so that's a great question. I think one of the things that helped my parents is just really explaining things thoroughly to them and having a sit-down conversation and letting them ask any questions that they might have. If you don't know the answer, just be honest and tell them that you don't quite know how that's going to work out, but you'll f- figure it out as you go. But honestly, at some point, if you want a house hack and you're the one purchasing the house, you got to go for it. I mean, if they're not living in the house why do they care? So I, I feel like part of it, you you just kind of have to be your own person at some point. And there's going to be naysayers always, even with my parents, I told my mom, you know, I'm going to retire when you retire this next year. And she never believed me. And, and mm-hmm. now here I'm self-employed, which is not quite retired, but like they never believed me. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be retired when you're retired. And look at me now. So you just got to do your <laughs> thing.
1: Look at me now. At me
2: now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: I would have given the exact same answer just reading that. The first thing I thought was who cares what they think? They are your family and they're going to love you no matter what. And yes, you may have to listen to them harp and tell you that you're doing the wrong thing. But if you're not relying on them to invest with you or if they're not going to live there, like you said, then who cares? If they haven't done what you're doing, you shouldn't be taking their advice. Listen to the people online, the people in the bigger pockets forums who have done this successfully and get support from them. That's why it's so important to build your investor network so you have that motivation and you have those people that are surrounding you to support you and encourage you and to help you stay on on that path of becoming an investor and and house hacking. I think that is 100% one of the best ways to get started in real estate is house hacking for sure. And if you're so looking you can for... do it,
2: if you need <laughs> motivation, reach out to us. Mm-hmm. I know that's harsh. Like I didn't want to be harsh because I wanted to be politically correct, but I was thinking yeah. the same thing. Like who cares? I mean, right. do your thing.
0: And if you're looking for a community... The bigger pockets real estate rookie Facebook group. There's mm-hmm. 33,000 people in that group now. So there's tons of people who, like you, Ben, are probably looking for someone else to tell them, hey, you're doing the right thing. You're going down the right path, giving you some words of encouragement. So there you have it. All right. How about some random questions, Ashley? Ready to move into that piece? Yeah. Um, yes. We're going to hit you with some random questions, Amelia. I think what I would like to know, you mentioned this a little earlier in the show. That you're more focused on cash flow over appreciation. And I think that is kind of a big debate that you see a lot in the world of real estate investing, where some people prefer appreciation, others others prefer cash flow. Why is cash flow more important to you?
2: So for me, personally, cash flow was the most important because I wanted to quit my w two job. I needed to replace that income that I was making from my W 2 with something else. I've always wanted to be self employed, and real estate was my way to get there. So, for me, that's why I chose cash flow. Also, the small markets that I'm like the rural Iowa market, it's just not going to appreciate very quickly. But you can buy a single family home for $30,000 and rent it out for $750. So, I mean, the numbers just made sense for the cash flow versus appreciation for me.
1: Amelia, my question for you is what is one book or podcast or a couple that you learned from when you were first educating yourself outside of the Bigger Pockets Network? Because we know all things podcasts and books are great at bigger pockets. So what other podcasts or books or websites did you look at to educate yourself that would be great for our rookies to check out?
2: Honestly, I utilized a lot of social media, Facebook and Instagram, and just following other people's journeys and asking them questions. They're sharing real life information and just being able to have that interaction with like real life people was very, very helpful to me. I can't really give any other like podcasts or website because I'm going to be completely honest. I pretty much solely use Pockets. So that was the answer I was looking for. Yes, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> it. Because it's just, it's just such a great source and it's all there. Like why go anywhere else? Cause it's all there, so.
1: Okay, so here's a follow-up question to that. If I'm somebody and, you know, I'm stalking somebody's Instagram and I wanna ask them a question or, or I want their advice, what is the appropriate way to reach out to someone that you feel has worked for you for you to engage so well with these other Instagram?
2: Yeah. So just honestly sending a DM and letting them know how much you appreciate their content and that you're getting a lot of value from it. And then ask the question um, and then also ask like, "Hey, is there anything that I can do for you in return of this information? But you also have to understand that not everyone's going to have the time to get back to you. Some of the bigger people on Instagram, they just don't have the time. So find somebody like me that's got like a smaller following or somebody that's got a mid mid-size following and try to reach out to them, but also utilize like Facebook groups, like the Bigger Pockets rookie group, where you can ask and then lots of people will respond, but just know that you're not always going to get their response and that's okay.
1: Well, thank Beautiful. you for that advice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we are going to move on to our rookie rock star today. So today's rookie rock star is Alexandra D, who closed on property number four today. So a little backstory, her fiance and her go on walks through areas. So instead of driving for dollars, they're walking for dollars and they look at multifamily rentals that they like, walk by them. So fast forward, they find this cute little number uh, duplex. And the guy returns their call and was willing to sell to them off market. And it's a very hot market. So this was a great deal for them. They purchased it for $112,900. They did a 20% down payment, a commercial loan with closing costs, rolled in 4.3% interest. The rents total $1,375. And tenants pay utilities. They're cash flowing around $439 a month with a 20.24 cash on cash return. And they put in $2,500 towards the remodel on the property. That is awesome. Congratulations, you guys. Super cool.
0: Yeah. I love that they went off market too. Like the idea yeah. of walking for dollars and kind of using that time with your better half to not only walk, get some exercise and fresh air, but to also look for deals. I love it.
1: I can't wait to see it. Uh, Tony on Sarah's Instagram scootering around this neighborhood. <laughs>
0: their, their Looking for good deals. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, Amelia, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I can't wait to work with you more in the bigger pockets, real estate rookie boot camp. Can you tell everyone where they can reach out to you and find some more information on
2: you? Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram. It's at Amelia Joe R E I. And Joe is just the feminine version, J-O. And I love interacting with people on Instagram. So please reach out to me if you have any additional questions or just want to say, hey.
1: Well, thank you so much. This was a great episode. We are so glad to have you. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. And we will be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. You guys keep going after those deals and we'll see you next time.